0: Chapter 6 The Tragedy of a Crown Without Stars If Solomon was right when he said he who is wise wins souls Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 and Daniel when he said those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 then it follows that every Christian ought to be a soul winner whatever a Christian's occupation may be it is his business to win souls Neglect to do it means failure in this life, and chagrin and remorse in the life to come." There is a profound lesson in the story of a lady who died and went to heaven. As she walked the golden streets, she noticed everyone staring at her. At length this became so annoying that she said to the angel who accompanied her, "'Why do the people gaze at me? Is there anything odd in my attire?' "'Oh, no,' said the angel, "'but I suppose you know that there are no stars in your crown.' She snatched off her crown, and sure enough, there was not a single star in it. While all around, as far as she could see, the crowns had stars in them, and some were fairly radiant with stars representing souls won to Christ. She was so grieved that she went to our heavenly Father and begged to return to earth for a little while, that she might win at least a few stars and not be so conspicuous in heaven. The request was refused. She pled so earnestly that she woke up. It was only a dream. I am afraid that some of God's children are going through life so thoughtlessly, and shall I say it, so selfishly, that they will awake in heaven some day to find that there are no stars in their crown, and that it is no dream either, but an awful sad reality. One of the saddest persons I ever met was a lady who said to me, I am the daughter of a minister and a graduate of Wellesley College. I have taught in Sunday school ever since I was fifteen years old, yet to the best of my knowledge, I have never led a single soul to Christ. I thought that all of your boys became Christians last Sunday. That is true, but I had nothing to do with it, and that is breaking my heart. Do not be too sure of that, I replied, and then I used an illustration something like this. Suppose this chandelier was suspended by a chain instead of a rod. Which link in the chain do you think would be the most important one? The first, or the second, or the last one? I do not see why there should be any difference. If you remove any of them, the whole thing would come down. Very true, I replied. Now, in the long chain of events by which God brings any wandering soul back to himself, tell me which is the most important link? The first, the fiftieth? Or the last? There is no difference, she answered. If any one of the links is gone, you cannot secure the final result. Well, then, perhaps you did not speak the final words that led your boys to their decisions, but you have certainly spoken many earnest words that prepared the way for someone else to lead them to Christ. Who shall say that your words were not just as important as his? There is some comfort in that, I must admit. Certainly. That is why I said it. But do you not think that every Christian ought to be able to speak the last words which lead a soul to decision? I do, most surely. I believe that God wishes all His children to be soul-winners, and that He has made abundant provision for that end. I think something is lacking in myself," she replied. I thought so too, and I waited for the Lord to show her what was needed. In a few weeks, she sent a message to me saying that she was now ready to devote her life to the work of winning souls to Christ. She was willing to live in the slums or wherever she could serve God most effectively. Some people fail through a lack of courage. The secretary of a young men's Christian association told me that he had to let the new men lounge about the place for about a year before it was safe to line them up and say anything about the Christian life. What a moral hero that man must be! I wouldn't have him as a janitor. With others, it is a lack of faith. They believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, but they have no confidence that God will save anybody through their use of it. I was spending a Sunday with a certain church and was asked to address the Sunday school. At the close of the service, a dozen or more accepted Christ. About ten days later, one of the deacons came to see me. He said the teacher's meeting was held at his house the week after I was there and he had charge of it. He said to them, I've been doing some thinking this week. You know we have worked here for two or three years without seeing any definite results. We have come to the conclusion that this is a hard town to move and that our school is peculiar. In fact, we have blamed almost everyone except ourselves because we haven't seen the results we hope to see. You noticed what happened last Sunday." We had a man here who was a complete stranger. He gave a simple, quiet little talk, and you saw what happened in our school, in our peculiar school. Brethren, I have made up my mind that the fault is not with the school nor with the town. The fault is with us. We have beaten the bushes a little and have hoped that the birds would come out and light on our shoulders, but we have not had faith to go in and pick them off the bushes. Brethren and sisters, I think instead of studying this lesson, it would be better for us to kneel down and pray." They did so, and when they arose from their knees, they began to plan. They decided that they would hold a similar service the following Sunday. As a result, they had more conversions, and found so much interest that they decided to hold a series of gospel meetings which brought a great blessing not only to that church and Sunday school, but to others as well. Some Christians fail because they are out of touch with God. As in the case of the young lady already mentioned, we know when something is wrong in our lives that must be made right before we can become an open channel for communicating God's grace. In sending out a circular letter to teachers some years ago, we received several confessions like this. We are not living so that we can talk to our boys and girls about Christ won't you pray for us that we may live so that our testimony shall have some weight?" This, after all, is the heart of the whole matter. If our life is consistent and our communion with God unbroken, a single word may weigh a ton because all the power of the Holy Ghost is behind it. I know a pastor who had a teacher in his Sunday school who failed so completely as a teacher that the superintendent had to ask her to give it up. She consented and entered a Bible class as a pupil. Soon she came to the superintendent and asked if she might teach a class again, provided she found the material for it outside the school. In a little while, her class grew so large that it had to be divided. Still it grew, and again and again. It had to be divided. One by one, she brought to the pastor's study to confess Christ and unite with the church between fifty and sixty of her scholars. When questioned afterward about her success and reminded of her failure in the first class, she said, That first class was my class. I taught it with my own strength and with my own methods. The second class was Christ's class. When a new girl came in, I gave her back to Christ as a mother might her babe. I held her there in the arms of Christ and let Him guide and teach her. The same pastor had another teacher who for eight years at every communion service brought someone from her class to unite with the church. When we live in such close and conscious fellowship with the Master so that all we say and do is done as His representative, it is easy for Him to pour His grace through us as an open channel. However, when we live a divided life and call Christ Master with our lips, but crucify Him again and again upon the cross of our own convenience, We may as well take a vacation for a few weeks until we decide once and forever whose we are and whom we are to serve. Conditions of Success in Soul Winning Three Things to Remember 1. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. It was not to start a church, establish a creed, or teach good morals. He came to die for people's sins in order that they might be saved. Furthermore, Men are as completely lost now as they were then. Civilization has done away with some of the cruelty and barbarism in the world, but human nature is precisely the same today as it was two thousand years ago. It is thoroughly selfish and sinful, and nothing but the grace of God can make it otherwise. John chapter three verse eighteen and verse nineteen, First Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen, Ephesians chapter four verse eighteen. No matter how amiable honorable and public spirited a man may be without christ he is lost and needs to be saved he who believes in the son has eternal life but he who does not obey the son will not see life but the wrath of god abides on him john chapter 3 verse 36 that is he is spiritually dead two remember that the lord jesus will save some souls through you if you cooperate with him you have some gifts and influence. If you consecrate your gifts and influence to the service of Christ, he will certainly use them to win some of your friends to himself. While Jesus was in the world, he was the light of the world, but now that he is gone, you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, and your mission is to so shine as to guide others out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. 3 Remember that Jesus will furnish all the equipment you need. Do you lack wisdom? For I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Luke chapter 21 verse 15. Do you lack courage? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Do you lack power? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Matthew chapter 28 verse 18. Do you lack faith? The life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Jeremiah said, Behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you you shall go and all that i command you you shall speak jeremiah chapter 1 verses 6 through 7 remember that all your inexperience and inability amount to nothing in the face of the master's express command follow me and i will make you fishers of men matthew chapter 4 verse 19 three things to do 1 set the winning of souls before you as a definite aim in life an aimless life is generally a useless life. The people who succeed usually set a definite object before them and say, This one thing I will do whatever the cost may be. Those who accumulate fortunes or secure political appointments as a rule are people who have been bending all their energies in one direction for many years. Why should Christians not set the winning of souls before them as a definite purpose in life? Who is there who could not succeed If he would put the same amount of thought and interest into it that he does into his business. No one expects to succeed in business without toil, patience, and sacrifice. Why should they expect to become experts in soul-winning without similar efforts and sacrifices? 2. Cultivate a passion for souls David Brainerd, whose biography ought to be read often by every Christian worker, used to say, I care not where I go, nor what hardships I endure, if I can only see souls saved. All I think of by day and dream of by night is the conversion of men. Often he would go into the forest in midwinter, kneel in the snow, and wrestle in prayer until his clothing was wet with perspiration. He often spent the whole night praying for the poor Indians among whom he labored. In almost every such instance, One will find in his diary two or three days after an entry such as this Today, as I preached the word, the power of God came down upon those stolid, immovable Indians and melted and broke their hearts and swept them into the kingdom by scores. If anyone says, I do not have that passion for souls, I am cold and unemotional, let me say for your comfort that it is not a question of what you are by nature, but of what you may become by grace. The Lord Jesus was tender and sympathetic, was He not? Well, it is the mission of the Holy Spirit to reproduce in you the life of the Lord Jesus in all its fullness. This includes His principles and feelings, His tender compassion, boundless love, and heaven-moving faith. All this is your birthright. 3. Begin and continue all your work with prayer. Pray for all men, first Timothy chapter two, verses one through four. I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. One advantage of praying daily for each man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is that you never meet a person you have not prayed for many times. Make a list of half a dozen or more persons in whom you are especially interested, and make them an object of daily intercession while looking for their conversion. A Sunday school teacher who began praying for his class had the pleasure of seeing eleven young men converted in a few weeks.